Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, May the 4th, May the 4th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to hockey in the NHL. At least uh, that's what many, many believe. A lot of optimism surrounding the NHL as player profiles continue here on Flyers Daily. If you have it, uh, you missed a couple of the episodes and you want to go back and check them out. For instance, last week did the player profile episodes of Claude Giroux on Friday. Phil Myers last week as well, and Jake Voracek, Tyler Pitlick, Robert Haig, and Shane Gosses bear the week prior to that. Joel Farabee, Sean Couturier, and Derek Grant the week prior to that. Also, uh, uh, they're all there. Uh, Carter Hart's joined us here on the podcast. James Van Riemsdyk, by the way, congratulations to James Van Riemsdyk and his wife on the birth of a baby just this past weekend. So congrats to them. Uh, we've had many players on the podcast. We've had all of the coaching staff, uh, Aline Vigneault last week, as a matter of fact, joined us on Friday's episode. If you want to go back and check out AV, uh, Mike Yo has joined us, Michelle Tarian, uh, Ian LaPerriere, and Kim Dillaball, the Flyers goaltending coach. So again, if you want to check out any of the past episodes of Player Profiles, go there and do that right in your iTunes queue or wherever you consume this podcast. This week, uh, today's episode, we'll get into a player profile of Brian Elliott. Uh, Wednesday, Ivan Provorov, and we'll wrap up player profiles coming up on Friday with Kevin Hayes as we get what we hope is closer and closer uh, to another NHL game. Um, is it a regular season game? Is it a playoff? We shall see. Is it before the draft or after the draft? That's another big question out there. Teams are preparing now, and we should have an answer at the end of this week as to whether the draft will be in June, early June. They're talking about the as early as the 5th of June, which is just, I guess, four weeks away from this past weekend. Uh, so we'll see if that indeed is the case. It seems like there's now a lot of momentum behind that. There's a lot of staunch uh, um, resistance to this uh, from general managers around the league. Um, there's some hurdles to overcome, like conditional picks and those kind of things. But uh, the NHL has uh, made some some uh, pretty strong uh, strong case why they want to do this now. A, is to put the sport back into some sort of news cycle. B, to get it out of the way, because if the season goes into October, say, or even November, that'd be one less thing they would have to worry about in a very shortened off season. So um, it seems like now it was originally floated as a trial balloon. Those are Gary Bettman's, Bettman's words, not mine. Uh, but now it seems like this is, to me, it seems like it's going to be a foregone conclusion. They're going to do this draft in early June, and teams are going to have to uh, get a lot of work done between now and that time uh, to figure out their big boards and, and their draft uh, profiles and all that stuff as uh, it's not going to happen after the season. I'd say with this much momentum at this point and uh, reading a lot of the uh, good reporting uh, from TSN, Sportsnet, and uh, NHL Network, that to me it seems like a fait accompli. They're going to have this draft before the season concludes, which they'll try and do, and uh, players will certainly be starting to trickle into facilities probably at the end of this week, maybe next week, for informal skates, and then uh, a training camp coming up in June prior if uh, if the pandemic and the health experts deem that is okay. Um, before we get to the player profile of Brian Elliott, um, one of the other things we're going to get into after the player profile of Brian Elliott is uh, a Twitter exchange I had with a guy, a guy named Frank um, and uh, it was a good Twitter exchange. We disagreed, but uh, he's a guy. I've actually met him at Flyers games. Um, but something that he said I want to discuss, and uh, I'll solicit your feedback uh, on social media on it as well. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get to the player profile of Brian Elliott. Uh, the Flyers signed him to a one-year deal this offseason. Everybody had figured that the Flyers were going to bring in 
uh, or, or retain, I should say, Cam Talbot after they traded for him last year. They had that three-goalie uh, system going at the end of last year with Brian Elliott, Carter Hart, and um, Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot saw some time, but ultimately he wanted to go try and be a starter, so he did. He left, and uh, it came together real quick for Brian Elliott to sign a one-year deal after being here two years prior. Uh, a $2 million salary for Brian Elliott for this past season. He's 35 years old, and it was something that I had advocated for pretty strongly in the offseason because um, Anthony Stolarz was with the team last year up until the deadline as well. They traded him for Cam Talbot from uh, Edmonton. Cam Talbot now with Calgary, but um, it, it was a situation where people were saying, well, why don't Stolarz and Carter Hart be the tandem together? And that just never made sense to me. Um, when you have a goaltender that was 20 last year and Carter Hart 21 now, uh, I think it's real important to have a veteran presence around. I've talked to Kim Dillabaugh. If you go back and check out that episode a little while back, having that veteran presence around of a guy that's been in the league for 10-plus years and Brian Elliott uh, to kind of help Carter Hart along the way about what it's like to be a professional NHL goalie, a starter, day in and day out. You need that guy who's been through those battles. And, and Brian Elliott's played a lot of hockey, was a starter for a lot of years. And I don't know that you want to call him a backup here in Philadelphia, uh, maybe more like a 1B, if you will. Now, I know his numbers this year aren't great. He's got an 899 save percentage. He's played in 31 games, a record of 27, 16, and 7. Um, and he, he's a guy, too, that uh, um, the numbers aren't really indicative of the season that he's had. So I went back and looked, and I looked at his game logs, and I, I saw a couple of games that are really kind of tarnishing his save percentage. And that's the big thing that I always look at is save percentage, more than goals against average. That's more of a team stat for me. Goal save percentage and then goal saved above average, uh, which is an analytics stat for goaltenders, is another one I look at. But there's a few games on uh, Brian Elliott's game log that that really affect his save percentage and the reason why it's below league standard or league average at 8.99, and why it is as low as it is. Uh, he lost to the Kings earlier this season and had a 7.33 um, save percentage in that game that was in LA on New Year's Eve. Now you remember back to that time. This is when the Flyers were not playing well, especially on the road. Uh, that game in Arizona, a 778 save percentage. Um, another just not a great effort in that one. I think that Carter Hart may have gotten pulled in that game, and he got thrown into it. Um, then also a 765 against the Devils, where the Flyers got smacked uh, by the Devils before they went on uh, their nine-game win streak. And uh, I think he even had a game where he had a, yeah, uh, a 647 in the Winnipeg uh, on that road trip also. Just got absolutely shelled, 17 shots, six goals in that game. But if you look down the stretch at Brian Elliott's season, if you really kind of extrapolate the numbers, in his last 11 games, he won eight of them. He was 8-2-1. and one. Uh, The one was an overtime loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Had a shutout against the Penguins on January 21st. He also had a shutout uh, uh, later against Detroit. Uh, so it was in two shutouts in three games. Um, played very well in a lot of these games down the stretch. Carter Hart got injured, and he went on a run, winning five of or six of seven games during that time as well when the Flyers needed it. And then when Carter Hart came back and, and after the All-Star break and, and the pause, not the pause, I shouldn't use that word, uh, but the All-Star break and bye week, um, Carter Hart came back, played well, and Elliott still continued to play well uh, during that stretch as well. And he does not get the favorable matchup a lot of times. He got more road games than home because uh, of Carter Hart's dominance at home. But he also would get the second of a back-to-back. Like he, the Islander game, his one of his losses uh, was a back-to-back a Monday night against Columbus. The Flyers won that game at home. Then Tuesday night, they took on uh, the New York Islanders. They lost that game. Remember, they battled all the way back in that game. And then uh, Ryan Pollock with that massive bomb of a slap shot right after the Flyers tied it. And the Islanders ended up winning that game. 
Um, so he gets the back-to-back and the second half of the back-to-back, and in that case, on the road, uh, which was a tough, tough situation for Brian Elliott. But he's been very good for the Flyers in key spots this year. And sometimes when you're looking at goaltending, you got to look at it and say, the numbers don't really bear out uh, a good or great season, but you got to look at the stops at key points in games, and I think he's given that to the Flyers this year. He's been in the league a while now, 13 years. He's played 472 games. He's got a career save percentage of 912 and a goals against of 2.5, uh, 40 shutouts, uh, and now in his third year with the Flyers, 100 games total. Um, and in that time, he's got a 906 save percentage below his average and a 2.8 goals against average and four shutouts. And he'd be a guy that, once again, this offseason, I would advocate to bring him back again. Um, goaltenders at 35 years old, if if they're smart and they're willing to transition into that mentor role model uh, 1B backup, there can be a real good living to be made for that up until you're about 38 or 39 years old. Brian Elliott, 35 right now, uh, will be uh, 36, not in just about a year from now, on April 9th of uh, next year. So he just turned 35. But uh, he's a guy that would um, absolutely be welcome back here if it was if I was making the decision. I think he's been a good pro. I think he's been a good teammate. I think he's been a good mentor for Carter Hart. So we'll see if the Flyers do indeed decide to do that. Again, he's on a one-year deal right now. And his salary is uh, two million dollars, so uh, a very similar deal. You could probably even go to like one point seven five on at AAV on a two year deal. Something like like that would make a lot of sense to me. So we'll see where that goes. So that's the player profile of Brian Elliott. Again, coming up on Wednesday, we'll give you the player profile of Ivan Provorov, and also uh, on Friday we'll do the player profile of uh, the big off season edition of Kevin Hayes. Um, but I want to get to this conversation that I had on Twitter. Um, talking about uh, the, the NHL returning and uh, a, a guy that uh, Raider Frank on Twitter, who I go back and forth with quite often. He's a good guy, uh, nothing malicious, not usual Twitter hijinks, but um, he made this statement that I, I don't get. And for the life of me, I don't understand it. Uh, he was of the mindset that he doesn't want the NHL to come back this year uh, because it would be kind of, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to see find the word that he used. It would be, it'd be like bogus, and you know he doesn't want it to come back because he doesn't want it to affect next year. So he said, not only this, will this season be a joke, but they'll screw up next season by starting 2021 even later, uh, condensing that schedule to make up for the late start and trying to get back on schedule. Not sure anybody could take this season results seriously. So I, my my issue here is this, and and it's not an issue. It's just my disagreement with Frank is this. Um, Every team in the NHL, all 31 teams, are in the exact same boat. Now, some teams may have more players in Sweden where they can skate or whatever, or they're in a city that's less affected and might be able to get back on the ice uh, in uh, you know group skates, unofficial group skates, sooner. But everybody during this pandemic is suffering through the same exact things pretty much worldwide. The league is shut down. There's no team that's going to be back for two weeks before another team. So if everybody's playing by the same exact rules, is it, I mean, I I don't understand that way of thinking that it would be a bogus result. Now, this is a league in the NHL where it's had a couple work stoppages and and lockouts, 48-game seasons, and crowned a cup winner, and nobody called that bogus. So to me, and and this is where I really disagree with Frank, because he's a good hockey fan. He's a season ticket holder. He's down there all the time. Um, and, and the other part of it for him, you know, with no crowd. So no swings, no emotion from a crowd. No, He thinks vibe is a big factor. And well, I think that's part, 
part of it. I, I think that's less than we think um, from a player standpoint, but it is creates that atmosphere. Uh, but that being said, to me, yeah, it would be perfect if it could come back with crowds and everything. But as the point I always make is absurd times call for absurd measures and you get an absurd result. And that's that's the situation we're in. So you have the opportunity to, to pick two ways to go here. Go, okay, this is too absurd and we don't even want to do it. I don't even want it back because it's not what it normally is. Okay, that's your right if, you, if you're of that opinion. Or you can say, hey, it is what it is, but the game's the game. I still want the game. Is there going to be an asterisk next to it? I don't think so. I think what will be next to it will be, hey, that was the weird year of the coronavirus. And such and such team overcame the coronavirus, no fans, and were still able to capture a cup. I think there's more of a feather in your cap to capture a cup with no real home ice advantage throughout the playoffs or anything like that. So it kind of is what it is. But my, my point is this. If you're a hockey fan, don't you want more hockey? <laughs> like, I know it's different, but hey, what may come out of this is some other revelations. We may be able to hear players talking, and you may get a peek behind the curtain like you've never had before. Like, we get mic'd up sessions and those kind of things, and the players know when they're mic'd up, and they play to it sometimes. But this is a situation where the parabolics may just be picking up chatter on the ice, which is not necessarily mic'd up, and you might get a real peek behind the curtain of what's actually being said on the ice. Now, not all of it's going to be uh, uh, G-rated, but that being said, you're going to get a different opportunity to see the game in a different way. And I know it sucks. It's not the, the way we wanted it. We wanted to be at a block party uh, down at the Wells Fargo Center getting ready for round two this weekend with warm spring weather, uh, wearing shorts and a hockey jersey to go to the game and tailgating the whole thing. But to me, if you're a hockey fan, you want more hockey. And I'm not saying Frank's not a hockey fan. And he eventually came around and said, hey, look, I, it, my druthers, I, I, I want it back because I want hockey. But I can't understand the mindset of a hockey fan saying, eh, just sit out the rest of this year and I'll see you next year. The other part of the equation is, too, is the reason why starting next year a little bit later might be even better for the NHL is because the if, if you start the season in October, October 4th, whatever, right? I don't know that you can have fans in the building at that point. Nobody knows at this at, at right now. So if you start in November, mid-November, the chances of having fans in the building in mid-November is better than having it on October 4th. So not only that, but the NHL does need to capture as much of that $1.2 billion that are currently not accounted for because they play only played 85% of the regular season and no playoffs. And yeah, it's a, a gate-driven league and uh, you get a lot of money from the gate for the NHL, uh, but you got to save TV, you got to save as much of that as you can because if you don't, you're going to put these the, the players and the salary cap and owners in a real bad position, um, and you're going to have to roll back salaries. I know people don't want to hear that right now, um, but it'll affect the cap and things going forward and the ability to conduct business. And what you want as a Flyers fan is for them to have a flourishing league and a flourishing cap because you have a GM that does the right things with this money. At least I believe so. Uh, I'd love to hear people's commentary on that. Uh, you can hit me up on social media on Twitter at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. You can also email me at jason.mertitis at gmail.com, jason.mertitus at gmail.com. And uh, shoot me your responses to that there because to me, if you're a hockey fan, you want more hockey. 
It's real simple. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. Prayer profile of Ivan Provorov is coming up on Wednesday. In the meantime, stay healthy and thanks for listening.